Welcome to the top M&A entrepreneurs. Today, my guest is Colin Keeley. Colin Keeley has acquired two companies. Working on his third, he's got a company called Vern, which buys SaaS, buy and build. He's also has a little course called Indie PE, which helps uh, buy small businesses. And he's also got a podcast called Indie Acquisition. And so welcome to the show, Colin. How are you? Thanks for having me. Doing great. Yeah. So let's go back kind of where this started. You, you know, what was your call to adventure to start acquiring companies? Uh, yeah. So background, did a bunch of startups. Uh, most of them failed, some small successes. So software marketing agency, a TV and movie recommendation company. I had a sharing economy startup that raised the money and flamed out. Um, through that process, met a venture capitalist yeah. who uh, liked me, didn't like my business at all, but liked me well enough to bring me on. So ended up in venture capital and we were uh, leading series A deals and also we were a startup studio. So once to twice a year, we'd spin up new companies. And that process of like finding product market fit is just really, really hard. And I was a student of like how other people were trying to do it. So there's a lot of other startup studios out there. Stumbled on Andrew Wilkinson. Uh, in Tiny out in Victoria, and he was just buying product market fit. So he'd buy these businesses that were working, put in best practices and grow them. And I was like, that sounds amazing. I would prefer to do that. Um, so did it. Uh, did our first acquisition a couple of years ago and just been off to the races since then. Yeah. What was that first acquisition? What kind of company? Uh, Blinksale. It's a B2B payments. It's actually like the second Ruby on Rails app ever. Um, Blinksale? Blinksale. Yeah. Blinksale.com. And that's B2B? Yeah, like invoicing for freelancers and small teams. Oh, very cool. Uh, how big was it when you bought it? Uh, I don't know if I could say exact numbers. I think that's in the APA, but it's like, uh, it was a six-figure deal. Six-figure deal. And what's it? how long have you owned it? Uh, we just finished off paying off the seller-side financing, so 18 months. 18 months. So that's the next question. How did you buy it? Did you have a fund, your own money? Some investors money or 100% seller financing kind of deal? Uh, I'm a big fan of starting small and making small mistakes. So we'd never done it before. So uh, it was just our money, um, me and my partner. So I'm like the, the marketing and the business and side of it, finance as well. My partner's the, the tech and product. So it was our own money and seller side financing. Yeah. How, how much kind of seller financing, kind of a range? Was it majority uh, or... Uh, Lower, I'd love, to, lower I'd love to be completely public about like all our deals. I, I think we aren't allowed to. Um, okay. So. But it was a, a significant amount of seller financing, to say. There was some. There was some. What, what, so why did they sell? What was the uh, motivation behind them? It's actually, the owner was super cool. Brandon and Patrick. Uh, Brandon just came out public. He's building a electric boat startup, like electric speed boats. Um, so we raised money for that. And this was, uh, you know, a smaller thing, just like I, the typical deal we buy is like a, a technical founder that has other projects been working on this for like five to seven years and that is ready for the next adventure. Was he paying any attention to it or was it kind of a distraction at that point? Uh, software is kind of nice because you can mostly neglect it and it just kind of keeps going. So they're just using it as a cash cow, basically and just taking money out of the business. Yeah. So it was profitable. Yeah. Yeah. Most. So we do two different things. Like we do bootstrap companies and then like venture orphans and the bootstrap companies are almost all you know, profitable by necessity. And, and where did you find that? Uh, this is on MicroAcquire. So MicroAcquire. Uh, Micro hey, very yeah. nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just did an interview with Andrew. So 
Yeah, they're great. They're, you know, really helping out the market. Yeah. Was the valuation you thought fair what he was offering? Because this is something I talked to Andrew about is when they first uh, list on their founders, like, you know, they think it's worth 50 X. Right. Uh, and Andrew said that was one of the biggest challenges is getting yeah. the yeah. right price. Yes. That's definitely a problem for us. Like, especially if you're doing cold outbound and just like trying to talk to founders, everyone thinks their baby is worth like 10 to 20 times ARR. And so you're kind of, you know, reality smacking them in the face and they don't always love that. I, I basically given up trying to convince them like what the market price is. Like you could hand over the data and like, this is what things are transacting at. Um, but you can't convince people to change their minds. Yeah. He calls it like, a, look, I, it's hard to have a conversation with somebody who would say their baby's ugly. Right. It's not ugly. It's a, it's a beautiful baby. It just isn't worth what they think it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, so how long did that uh, conversation last where you guys came to a, reasonable price on the business? Uh, so the first deal, this guy had done acquisitions before uh, and sold companies before. So he kind of out the gate had a fairly reasonable expectations. And we definitely weren't the highest offer. I would say we just vibed the best. We had similar startups that had flamed out in the past. And then I have a lot of, as you kind of alluded to, like public writing and public podcasts out there. And he consumed a lot of it before meeting me. So I think he was a, a little smitten like at the start, which helped us win the deal. Yeah, I have to tell you, you came on my radar when you wrote that article about Mark Leonard at Constellation Software and the serial acquire. I, I, it's great analysis on that. By the way, I saw that on uh, searchfunder.com. Oh, cool. Yeah, thank you. I've done that. Yeah, the operating manuals uh, I received well. Yeah. And then your second one, what kind of company was that? That was a SaaS company, software. Uh, data backups. Yeah, we're not, I said, I would love to do everything and build in public, but we're not uh, announcing the name of that one. Yeah, that's okay. That's it's a okay. more sensitive one. Yeah. And uh, where did you find that? That one, um, like an intermediary reached out to us and was like, this was the end of last year. The founder wanted to sell before December 31st. He thought there were going to be some tax changes. Um, so we pushed and closed it within like, that was like 14 days. It was incredibly yeah. fast. Was that an inter intermediary, like a investment banker or kind of just a broker from one uh, of the sites? Yeah, it was a broker in the space. Yeah. yeah. And the, and he sounded like he had motivated to sell before a, you know, missing out date. Uh, did you get a good price on that? A reasonable cash flow price? Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Oh, I mean, we only do, I guess, reasonable deals. At least I like to think so. Yeah. So, yeah. We're not in the market of overpaying. Yeah. What, uh, um, what kind of deal stack was that? Was that you know, your money again or SBA or seller financing or a mix of the above? SBA is really tough to pull off for these software deals. Um, so I've talked to a lot of SBA bankers. They're great. If I ever wanted to buy a physical business, like I would entertain it for sure. But uh, in this space, it's really hard. Uh, we have a debt partner in uh, based in Spain, like a number of family offices. Um, if you want to reach out, you're happy to make an intro. But that, so we did that deal with our own money, this debt partner and, and seller side financing. Yeah, I, that is correct. I will talk to you after that <laughs> about that. So uh, a lot of these deals are coming to you because you create this social capital and they're attracted to you. So where did you uh, see that? Hey, you know what? I need to have a podcast to get out there to so somebody's attracted to me. I also need a course. I want to talk to me about this course that you did. Why did you build the course, how to buy a business? Uh, 
I, I found this to be a very opaque industry. So I, I went to business school. I went to University of Chicago. Um, I was like bar barely uh, aware that this was a thing that you could buy software company or buy companies. I thought it was just like Fox making those businesses in like Idaho. I didn't know you could buy software ones. Uh, so this was all like trial and error and figuring it out ourselves. And then back when I was a VC, I talked with like all the college alternatives. And I was like, I thought this was an interesting opportunity to be like, you know, so many people go to business school to like learn how to do business. And it's like, well, you could actually use that money and go buy a business. And I'm a big you know, believer in actually doing things and learning that way. Um, so that was kind of my initial thought there. And now I'm going to do a live version of the course, like a cohort based version. Such as uh, well, like uh, you talking about like Kajabi or something, or or what do you mean a live version? Uh, it'll be based on Maven. Maven's like the new software company um, from the guy who started Udemy, spun out and did this, and so it's just a cohort-based course platform. Yeah, I uh, by the way, you talking about Udemy. I almost bought a courses from a guy from Udemy that had software courses. He sold a million of them, software, oh. and it was just a cash flow king. I mean, it was. Sold a million courses, doing two million a year with about ninety-five percent profit. I was trying to buy it. How'd it go? It was in the UK, and it was difficult to get any financing because they didn't want to move money over to the UK. Yeah, the yeah. European deals can be tough. Yeah. So, what is the uh, the focus of the course? Is it just on software companies? There's a lot of courses out there. Yeah, like Cody Sanchez, Carl Allen, uh, Roland Fraser, a whole bunch of people out there teaching. And but they all, each have their own specific niche. Yours is SaaS. I would say it's more focused on internet companies, but there seems to be a lot of overlap that people really just want to be their own bosses and like have freedom. Yeah. Uh, so uh, in like the basic things you're doing of like looking for a business to buy is very similar, whether it's a physical business or an internet company. So I would say it's internet focused, but not exclusive. Yeah. And you go through the entire process of uh, finding the deals to reaching out, to having a conversation, to making an offer, to, to raising the capital to do it also, or, you know, that's kind of a, Sometimes if you don't have the money, you're going to go raise capital to go acquire a software company. Do you also teach how to do that? Uh, yeah, it's not as finance heavy as it certainly could be. I, th I think I'm mostly focusing on the sourcing phase, which is like the hardest thing for people to actually you know, put the time in to call brokers, to do the cold outbound to like owners. Um, so it's mostly focused on that. And then on the back end, yeah, I'll, I'll talk through financing. The reality in this space is like, great deals is kind of the limiting point. It's not as much uh, capital. Like if you could get a great deal under LOI, I think you could find the capital out there. Yeah, I think so too. Um, with these companies that you've acquired and the third one you're working on, t tell me how's it's gone. You buy and build. Have you, it, has it grown since you purchased them and you focus on the energy versus this guy that was, you know, off to build electric boats? Yeah. So I would say our ideal is like a company that's already growing. I think momentum's really strong. And so something that's already growing is likely to continue. Um, but yeah, everything we bought is up since we did it. I, I would say it's not that hard. Like uh, we're not geniuses over here. We're just doing like the basics. Um, so I could go through like what our basic playbook is. Yeah. Yeah. Please do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the goal is like stability. So you take it over. Um, often the founders are technical and want to walk away. And sometimes there's employees, but more often than not, there's not. So we have to put a remote team in place. So like our database company, we put a team in Albania in place. So product manager, developer, um, you have developers kind of all around the world. 
Then we push on sales and marketing. So we have a big checklist we go through. Robert F. Smith and Vista has this 100-point checklist. We have something similar. Um, so it's things like moving their crappy WordPress marketing site over to Webflow, making it beautiful, um, making sure nothing's blocking SEO, pages load really quick. Uh, and then we push on different channels. So uh, in uh, previous history, I ran like large software marketing campaigns. So push on Facebook ads, Google ads, you know, see what works. Uh, offer amazing customer support. So immediately we put mm -hmm. someone dedicated to it. Really want word of mouth growth. Um, and then a product makeover. So my partner is very technical. He's a very good product manager. Um, and so that's with the goal of, you know, making things look pretty, but also improving the conversion rate, reducing churn, and then adding premium features. So things that, you know, more enterprisey customers would be willing to pay more for. Yeah. Are you designed to stay in a specific range of like micro kind of acquisitions or do you have designs on going larger? Yeah. Every deal we're doing seems to be getting bigger for sure. Um, so we'll entertain like 200 K on the low end ARR to 5 million ARR. And the reality is like a 500 K deal and a $5 million deal are about the same amount of work. So we would love to do, you know, just bigger deals. Yeah, There's also yeah. more systems in place and they're generally better businesses at that point. Are, are you kind of like Andrew Wilkinson and Mark Leonard buy and hold forever? Uh, we have been to date. I would say if you made a outrageous offer at one of our companies, we'd certainly entertain it. So <laughs> we're not like married to the idea. Yeah. But yeah, I love the holding company model. Um, certainly the you know, students of all those guys. Yeah. What do you like about, uh, look, I, I went back and listened to a lot of podcasts that Andrew did on uh, My First Million. I've read some stuff on him and uh, amazing guy. He actually reached out to be him on my podcast. He hasn't said yes yet, but I'd love to. <laughs> uh, he's a busy guy, but he's active on Twitter. Uh, what do you like about his style that, to buying businesses and holding businesses because the, the, the hardest part, I, I don't know if it's your article or somebody's article is the shared operational excellence program and identifying what those are to each business because they're in different niches. Uh, so there's a lot there. Um, Robert F. Smith has the famous quote that all software tastes like chicken. So the end customers can be different. They can be dentists or like bowling alley owners. But like the core things you're doing as the software owner is like improving the software, improving usability, you're doing very similar marketing channels. So the, you have different end customers, different niches, but like what you're doing day to day is pretty similar, what the companies are doing. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, why do I like Andrew? Uh, Aside yeah. from his amazing track record with WeCommerce, the Shopify stuff, and then the, what, I don't know, what is it, 28, 32 acquisitions at Tiny Capital? Yeah. Oh yeah. He's got a bunch. Uh, I must be approaching like 40 wholly owned companies now. Um, but I think there's, I think starting companies is really fun. It's really sexy. Uh, it's a lot of work and it's very, um, I think there's a lot of randomness to it. I think buying established businesses with like existing cash flow isn't as sexy. And I think there's a boringness discount, but I think it's a wildly underrated way to build wealth. I just think it's very effective. And like everyone that's done it, uh, SBA is a quote that I think like 98% of SBA 7A loans, like never default, never default Companies survive. Yeah. Um, it's just so finding I, somebody in the SBA that does software. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. What about Mark Leonard, man? I, I love reading his annual reports because he's got a homespun like Warren Buffett stuff. And the, uh, the, 
transparency he gives and uh, the responsibilities he, is, he gives to his business units. Like they're allowed to make acquisitions without him knowing it. Yeah. Yeah. We've been beaten out by uh, Constellation a number of times recently. So definitely uh, it's like losing a basketball game to Michael Jordan. So, I mean, it's cool. Of course we lost to Michael. We don't have the money, but uh, yeah. yeah. Why? So why did I do like any of these operating manuals? So I, I came across Andrew first. Andrew said Mark Leonard was one of his idols. So I was like, well, I got to learn all about that guy. And so he's probably the best uh, one in the space and one of the originals. So he's done 500 of these acquisitions at this yeah. point. Yeah. Um, and then my other ones, you know, Robert F. Smith, he's probably the biggest software buyout fund. Uh, Andrew you know, models himself as like the nice guy in this space. And Joe Lamont and ESW are like the dark force or the dark Vader in the space. So they're the most cutthroat. So there's interesting learnings from him. Um, and Mike Spicer is the best startup studio. So that's kind of how like my thinking goes. I hop from one to the next and just kind of take away what I can. Yeah. Well, have you tried to get uh, Mark Leonard on a podcast? That would be great, wouldn't it? That would be awesome. Uh, yeah. He's not on a lot and he doesn't like doing press. I think he was misconstrued 20 some years ago. So he doesn't do that kind of thing. I'd love to just have a conversation with him. But like every time I write one of these operating manuals, people that work for these teams or the actual person reaches out. So that's been cool. I'm sure. Yeah, I've noticed a couple of people left their business units and started their own acquisition team. Yeah. Oh yeah. Tons of people leave Constellation and start like mini Constellations. Yeah. Are you currently working on a fund? to help you acquire companies. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's what we've run encountered is like, people really like Brent and Colin, but there's a limitation to that. And it turns out a limitation is like millions of dollars. Uh, so we just need more money. Um, to, yeah, you know, yeah. I think we win all the deals if we were competitive, but we just haven't been competitive on some. It's because, you know, bringing cash to the party kind of, you know, bringing cash to the party. It yeah. is the game. That's the game we're in, yeah. It helps yeah. for sure. Yeah. What's, uh, uh, wh where do you want to go with this? I mean, do you want to be a tiny capital where you own 40 companies? And I, I, I did see an interview with Andrew Wilkinson said, you know, my, my sole job is to hire and fire CEOs. Yeah. I think as you get bigger and bigger, you know, hiring quality operators becomes limitation. Um, we're not to that point yet, I would say, but yeah, I just keep executing, um, build more track, more of a track record and, you know, get bigger and bigger is our plan. Whether you stay and do really small deals like Constellation or eventually you grow up and do bigger and bigger things, I guess is a bit of a question, um, but that's a question for a later time. Yeah. So what do you get out of offering that course? I mean, I've seen some successful students. They bought the course. They acquired company. D does it help you with deal flow? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think reality with courses is like uh, a lot of people do it. They like it. They enjoy it. They get closer to you. Um, and then people send you deals and whether they like, I'm not that concerned about launching like a million competitors. I don't think that's reality. Um, so it's a lot of people. I, I don't see that as a problem. I, I would, yeah. you wouldn't be interviewing with me <laughs> <laughs> if, if you had a problem with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's fun. I always kind of intended to go back to like one of my alma maters and teach when I was like old and retired. And it's like, Hey, it turns out I can do that right now. And got um, 40 million in your <laughs> bank and go, you know what? You, you don't students, you don't have to be here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I don't think I'll ever do that. I think the scale of the internet is just great. And it's like, it's been fun. And also like putting a course together is probably like the best way to distill your learnings. And, like, you know, you think, you know, it, try to teach it. And then you really, you know, yeah, and then you get better at it because you're consciously taught thinking about it, right? Yeah, I would say the same thing about writing, you know, posting to Twitter, posting to my blog, any of that stuff. It's just like, you know, making my thinking more concrete. Yeah.
do you are you active on all the social media channels any just to use one or is it twitter smb uh you know linkedin search funder uh yeah just twitter is like my main one and then i started cross posting to linkedin um because they're starved for content it's just a bunch of you know <laughs> crap like uh, employee stuff over there yeah it's like two percent actually post out of the yeah. you know 800 million people on there yeah so uh, i cross post and you know that basically doubles your reach or sometimes things will kind of not do anything on Twitter and blow up on LinkedIn. So that's been kind of nice. Uh, but no, I haven't done TikTok or anything. I'm not much of a dancer. Yeah. What, what about, <laughs> yeah, I don't use TikTok, but I watch uh, Miss Excel uh, make millions of dollars from TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. We should probably all be on there at some point, but I don't know. I don't I know how to take <laughs> like how to buy a business course, like singing, going, Hey, you know, that doesn't seem to translate for me. No, um, we'll see. Yeah, hey, I got to go back something you wrote on your website that one of your startups was stretchy pants. Now, what what was that? Is that Jack Black stretchy kind of pants? <laughs> uh, I, this was just scratching my own itch. And like, this is what I said earlier, like finding bad businesses and sticking my hand in electrical sockets. And uh, yeah, uh, I'm a, I'm kind of an odd body shite. I'm pretty tall. I'm six, seven. Um, and so You're this is building cast. Yeah. Can you still dunk? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Usually. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I play basketball. You're like uh, you're the tallest guy that I've interviewed. I'm six four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, doesn't come across uh, on the podcast or on Twitter. But so that was scratching my own itch, just like building the pants I kind of wished I had. Um, but yeah, I didn't like apparel, didn't like the space. Thought people were always lying to me when you're like producing stuff. Uh, but yeah, don't like e commerce. Yeah, um, will you do pants. startups anymore? Uh, yeah, I think it's very likely we'll spin up. kind of like shared agencies, kind of like the Amazon model, where if your companies all need something, you do it just for internal companies and then you spin it out and start taking external clients. Um, So I think we'll do some version of that, but definitely not our main focus going forward. Yeah. Let me ask you about uh, mentorship, where you get advice, masterminds. Uh, You know, I talked to Michael Girdley Mm -hmm. and he said, yeah, he still uses Vista, a local Vista. What, who do you go to or inspired by? It could be books, could be anything. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I would have this kind of weird approach to mentors where it's like, I, I just consume everything that they've done and really study them and write up these operating manuals. So that's like my basic way of learning. And then from there, I talk with either them or their people that work for them and kind of understand their playbook more. And then besides that, it's more so Twitter, um, just meeting people doing like-minded stuff. That's been great. I should probably go to more conferences. Uh, I haven't done that. Yeah. Yet. Is that a COVID thing? I, I don't go to conferences. Yeah. No, I just didn't. I wasn't in this space before COVID and then COVID killed everything, like all the conferences and now they're just coming back. So I should probably pick like a few a year and go meet up with people in person. Oh, man, they they, they should uh, pay you to be there. Or Neil Patel <laughs> says he doesn't charge anymore to conferences because he gets better deals not charging. Huh. Yeah, that's one way to do it. Yeah, I, I love watching him. So I got to ask, like, uh, so what kind of books do you like to read? Is it the uh, uh, biographies of people or the how-to books or or concepts? Uh, you know, uh, I, I like the uh, like the last book I read. No, it wasn't the last book, but Eight Con- Unconventional CEOs. And they talk about the top, top people. Outsiders. By yeah, the outsiders. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I love business biographies. I hate self-help books. Like I won't read any of them. Um, but what have I read? I read a lot of sci-fi. My favorite book, if you're looking for a recommendation, is uh, American Kingpin. 
So the story of Ross Albright and starting uh, the Silk Road is basically like Amazon for drugs. I think that is like, it's very well written. So it's very entertaining. It's a great story. And then it's like all your traditional entrepreneurship bootstrapping issues, but on a much more exciting scale because it's dealing with like, you know, selling drugs and guns and an online marketplace. Yeah. Behind the stuff, I think, uh, uh, I think I've seen that something on Netflix, uh, but it was the most hated man in America who, who started that business. Yeah. He's in prison for life. Prison, prison. Uh, what was it? Uh, revenge porn. Yeah. Um, but yeah, otherwise it's like, you know, cable cowboy would be another one kind of in that vein. So John Malone is another one of these, uh, He's actually in the Outsiders is a, a chapter. Yeah, he was rolling up cable companies um, in the eighties. It's very similar. That was like software companies of the day. So taking away learnings from him. So if somebody was coming behind you and say, "Hey, what well, what's the first thing they should do?" He's like, "Hey, uh, Colin, I, I, I'd like to buy a company. Start buy your course, join Twitter, follow you, connect with you on LinkedIn, and just uh, follow like Mark Leonard." Robert F. Smith, Vista, and uh, Andrew Wilkinson. Uh, all those are great ideas. If you want to buy that course, great. Um, but really just make moves. I mean, everyone says they want to buy a company, but like be serious about it and you know, do it as a job. Reach out to business owners and like start talking to them. And I think that's really the only way you know what a good business looks like is like just doing it, doing the work, yeah. getting into conversations. So you know, reach out to brokers in your space, set a goal, maybe do five in a week or something like that. Talk, try to talk cold email uh, business owners and email five and get on the call. What do you do for off-market acquisitions, um, finding deals that are off-market? Uh, it's nothing groundbreaking. Uh, we have a number of people in the Philippines that work full-time for us and they'll build out email lists. And I'll say like, you know, go after this vertical and go find all the emails. And then I'll write basically drip campaigns. Um, so it's just lead generation, like B2B lead generation. Yeah. Um, put them on drip campaigns and start conversations. Uh -huh. if, you're, if you're trying to advise people for like the first deal, I wouldn't waste time with that. But it's like a huge time suck. I think most people find their first deal in a marketplace. Yeah. That's uh, uh, that's also getting your, your, your toes wet too quickly because it's a motivated seller. You know, they want to sell it. You're skipping the whole process of going, once you get a deal like that, it's a lot easier to get off market deals because you got cash flow. You understand a little bit more about the process. Yeah, I would say most people screw up. They just never get in the game. Like they're they always want to buy a company, and it's like, well, next year I'll do it. Five years I'll do it. Ten years I do it, and they just never do it. Um, so my recommendation would be, you know, make moves, get in the game. You uh, cannot lead a horse to water unless they're really, 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 really thirsty. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's about 97% that start out looking for a business. Don't buy a business. Yeah. Yeah. It's unfortunate for sure. Yeah. Well, Colin, uh, thank you so much for being on this show. I, I really appreciate getting an overview of your business model. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's great to meet you. Yeah. Thanks, Colin. See ya. All right. Bye.